Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Wandering Road Podcast. I'm your host Chris, alongside my co-host Dean, and for today's show, we're going to be talking about a sensitive topic, so I want to give a disclaimer about that. We're going to be talking about Aokigahara, which is the suicide forest in Japan. I think this is going to be a doozy of an episode. Um, it's going to be, you know, we're going to kind of traverse it as best as possible because there are sensitive topics surrounding the suicide forest. And like Chris said, we're just going to give a, a quick warning to people that there's going to be some sad points, difficult points, talking about some cases of suicide and 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 just the general atmosphere of the forest itself in Japan, where there have been a lot of suicides. But before we actually get into it, we're going to do the the whole uh, socially responsible thing and say, you know, the disclaimer up front, since we're going to be talking about suicide, it's a sensitive, you know, important topic. And, and if you or someone you know is going through some emotional issues that might be uh, centered on suicidal thoughts or feelings, you know, reach out for help immediately. There's so many resources out there. There's um, helpline, crisis resources, phone numbers for free suicide, national suicide prevention line. With, with that said, we'll just push on forward. And before we start today's show, if you would like to share your stories with us or be a guest on the show to share your paranormal experiences, please feel free to reach us at our email address, which is twroadpodcast at gmail.com. And with that, we'll start today's show. How are you doing today, buddy? This is going to be a heavy topic, I think. Yeah, I, I'm kind of trying to tread lightly. I, I feel like this is going to be an extremely interesting one, and I think it's definitely going to be worth exploring. So, but at the same time, you know, you and I, we joke a lot and we we tell a lot of stupid jokes and like, you know, kind of insensitive at, at some points. So this is one that I do not want to tread into being insensitive about because I, you know, we've all known people who have struggled. Some of us have struggled ourselves um, with that sort of thing, with, with um, the pressures of society and whatnot. So, you know, it, it, this could be a triggering for some people, but I think that just generally speaking from a paranormal perspective, it is definitely worth exploring because I think there's a lot of interesting stories surrounding the, um, the, the deepness and the richness of the history. Oh yeah. Completely agree with you. You know, we tend to dick around on the show a lot. You and I share dark humor. So we're going to try to avoid that at all costs today when covering this topic. But I've kept this topic in my back pocket because of the sensitivity of it. And, you know, it, it's hard to talk about a place like this without addressing, you know, the elephant in the room that comes along with it. And I think now is a good time to talk about it. And the reason being is because we met JJ, who actually took a quick tour of the forest. And you yourself were, you were in Japan. I know you, I don't think you actually visited Aokigahara, but I think the timing to follow the trend of Japanese paranormal, like ghosts and whatnot, I, I think it fit right in. Yeah, so I never, I actually never made it to 
Okigahara Forest, although it's it's definitely something I've always wanted to go visit just because of the the scenery and the atmosphere. I mean, aside from the the um, the stigma of the, the the suicides and stuff that happened there, I hear it's actually a really beautiful forest with like a lot of lush uh, flora and fauna. I think that I don't know if it wouldn't be on the top of my list because of of the um, the uh, the 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 heaviness of the energy. And that's one thing I wanted to bring up about this particular topic is because I feel like if there was ever one place, like we talk about positive and negative energy imprints and stuff, we've we've talked about it before, and. I think it's pretty obvious to anybody who follows like paranormal stuff that if if ghosts and all that all that whole realm actually exists, there's got to be some uh, affiliation to like negative energy imprints or whatever. So I figure if there's if there's ever if there was ever one place on Earth where there would be an actual negative energy imprint, if that thing exists, it would be at a place like this. And and in my research, I actually found out it's kind of in the same vein of like socially what people used to do in Japan in the past. And, and and I think not just Japan, but like all over the world where if you had sick or dying family members, especially elderly family members, you, you would, and you were poor and you had no way to sustain yourselves and your unit, you would just take your elderly out into the woods and leave them to die, <laughs> which um, I know that sounds really, really terrible. That is really, really terrible. And I feel like something like that, if that happened in that forest could be like, could have been like the trendsetter for, spiraling into what we know today as as the suicide force where where i think what like 45 people i don't know the average i apologize if this is way off but i think one metric i saw was like 45 people come from all over japan on average per year to kill themselves there which isn't a crazy number considering the population of japan but at the same time it's like it's enough to raise an eyebrow so that's the first thing i wanted to say about it was the, the negative energy and the other thing I wanted to mention and bring up in terms of the history is actually, I didn't know this until recently either. So suicide back in the day in Japan was, I think, mainly known as a samurai act. And we all know, I think a lot of us have heard, at least heard the term like seppuku or uh, harakiri, I think, you know, kanji, or I don't know which one is which. Um, but so that that that's essentially whenever you see like in an old movie, like an old samurai movie or something where the guy gets down. I don't, I think girls too, but like the guy would get down on his knees with a short sword or a short knife dagger and he would just plunge it into his stomach. Um, and then, and then I think, I don't know how often the second practice was going on. Maybe you can answer this, Chris, but like they usually, sometimes they had like another person with them behind them with a samurai sword and they would immediately decapitate them after they stabbed themselves in the stomach. I think that was like a sign of like respect or to end their suffering. Yeah, they'd plunge the the short sword into their abdomen, and then they would drag it across. And after they after they drag it across, one swipe with the katana would essentially put them out of their their misery, wow. so they wouldn't have to suffer. Yeah. So you're so what you said was accurate. Yeah, that's pretty heavy. So, but nowadays, that practice is uh, largely defunct. I think I'm sure there's still people who do it here and there, but. What what I think comes from that historical perspective is that things have changed in terms of suicide. So like it's no longer we're no longer in the days of Edo period or like you know the the masterless Ronin or whatever the samurai days where they'd actually do this sort of thing. Now it's largely you know cultural people. It's not people poor and starving anymore where they need to send their loved ones out into the forest to die. It's it's not really a it's not like a lack of physical necessity 
that is driving suicide. I think a lot of it is societal. A lot of it is societal. So, um, so now it's like, you know, insufficient social interaction, psychological pressure from like lack of job or maybe just overall depression or hopelessness. And that kind of drives, I think, the situation where you want people to go separate from society and give up on it and go to a place like this and, and wander around. So that, that is, I think from, that's from my perspective, like the physical attributes of the suicide forest, but we're here to talk about the, the spiritual or the supernatural aspects, because there are many, many, many stories that have come and gone over the years and ebbed and flowed with, with the, um, the progression of suicide there. And a lot of people having weird experiences when they actually visit that place. So I think, um, and like, is there anything else you want to talk about before we push on? Like, is there something you wanted to bring up historically or maybe a perspective on what is driving? Cause I mean, not to, not to undercut it, but I guess you could argue that like the growth of the negative energy in that place could be pulling certain people at a metaphys on a metaphysical level to actually want to go to that place. Like, like the more that the more people die there, the more that the energy demands consumption. I don't know. That's just kind of like a creepy idea. I don't think I have anything to add on the historical aspect of it because you kind of hit the nail on the head with regards to the historical side, specifically talking about the samurai and how they would commit ritual suicide and how essentially the act of suicide, especially among the samurai, was considered an honorable type of thing to do. So it's not far-fetched to assume that that's something that would linger around. It's like, okay, I'd rather do that and commit that type of act instead of being dishonorable or a burden. That's actually, if that, makes that is actually really interesting too, because you think about like, well, like I was talking about negative imprints and that might be leading to um, like super, supernatural or paranormal events. I wonder if like, if that's if such a thing was true or, or existed, there wouldn't be as heavy of a negative energy in a situation like that, I would think, because like you said, they're not killing themselves out of depression. They're not killing themselves out of like hopelessness or emptiness or darkness per se. It's more like uh, I fucked up for my family and I need to pay for my my crimes or my failure. And then it's it's essentially like going to a permanent jail. Like you're just putting yourself in a, there's maybe no sadness or hopelessness affiliated with it. Yeah. Like specifically with the samurai, it's like, okay, I dishonored myself. How could I even live with this type of dishonor? So therefore yeah. I'd rather die than to live with that stain of whatever I did, whether it was fleeing from the field of battle or betraying, you know, like your daimyo or something like that. Right. And you end up getting caught or or you lose and your rebellion. It's like, okay, I admit that I fucked up. So here are the consequences. Exactly. But that's more so on the historical like aspect of it with regards to samurai and culture. Not saying that the people that unfortunately decide to take their lives in the forest are pretending to be samurai and we're not saying that yeah yeah but with regards to understanding where this concept like culturally yeah it's a it's a it's a contrast you know like this the samurai in the in back of the day was dishonor today it seems more like it's depression and hopelessness and and um i think that could you could argue that contributes to the overall negative energy of the environment there another thing that i came across 
with the forest in terms of, you know, people wanting to commit suicide there and whatever, they actually have signs. Uh, and I think this is pretty well known, but there are like signs up throughout the entrances of the forest, you know, basically telling people, you know, your life is worth something and, you know, don't do this. But it's kind of, I don't want to say funny, but it's kind of like, I feel like they could have chose the wording better because I think some of the wording really focuses specifically on the familial aspect, which which makes sense in Japan because like the 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 nucleus of the family is so important. It's a it's a, a collectivistic society, so um, they emphasize in the suicide placard. Think about your your parents. They brought you know your parents brought you into this world. It's a gift, and think about your your parents, your children, your siblings. But imagine like that's it'd be terrible. Imagine like you're standing there and you like lost your parents and you have no one else or like or you know you had like your brothers or sisters or something like all died or something, and then that just like slams home the reason why you're there to kill yourself. Like I think they could have just focused, like just hovered more on the the sanctity and the beauty of life as opposed to diving more deeply. But I digress. The other aspect to that is people apparently abandon their cars there. And I apologize to everyone. This is going to be, to me, this is like one of the heaviest things I could talk about, in my opinion. If you watch some documentaries or you do some more digging into this forest, it, it actually makes sense. You think about it like, well, people go into this forest to die. So what happens to their, how do they get there? Well, some people apparently drive there and there are cars that get abandoned in these forest parking lots. And it, it's almost immediately surmisable that you know, the people who left the car behind went into the forest and never came out. There's this weird thing on this, like just a sidetrack real quick. There's this weird thing that's been happening to me lately, the last couple of years where like, I'll go to talk about something or I'll be interested in talking about something to someone or maybe the podcast or something like that. And then I'll actually see things that are relevant to that topic or the podcast. And one thing that is, that's relevant to this podcast today that I saw, I think even just a week ago that I had never seen before there was a picture of cars parked out in a, I think a stadium parking lot in New York city on September 12th, 2001. And we all know what happened the day before the, the terrible tragedies of nine 11. But that like, I, st- I really choked up looking at that picture because like you could, you know, that all the cars that were left over there or almost certainly, I guess some of them could have been in the hospital, but there was at least probably a couple cars there, if not all of them that were owned by people who perished in the the twin tower collapse in 2001. So that I you know you see pictures like that in the Okigahara uh suicide forest parking lot and it's kind of hits the same way. Like that car was owned by somebody, there are items that are still in there that are going to be taken and destroyed, dispersed, whatever sold and and, and there's you know that that's where the story ends for that and that kind of like drives home the negative energy in my opinion. You know, I, I don't want to go off on a tangent w- with this too far, but I'll, I'll open up the floor to you, man, because I, I'm sure you have something to say about, about stuff like that. I'm sure you've seen things like that. So yeah, sorry, sorry to go off on a tangent like that, but um, I, I guess we'll pull it back to the paranormal and the creepy side of things. So what have you come across? Uh, have you come across anything like any interesting anecdotes or, or anything that have to do with the forest? According to folklore, it's often depicted as a place inhabited by spirits and supernatural creatures and ghosts. And with the uh, Okigahara being so ancient of a forest, it's 
not uncommon for tales of spirits or ide to pop up here and there saying like oh if you go into this forest and you get lost you're gonna run into some spirit that's vengeful or sad or or something of that sort the forest is connected to legends of ubume i don't know if i said that right it's spelled u-b-u-m-e i could hear jj just cringing with my pronunciations (laughs) (laughs) so essentially that is a type of ghost or spirit in japanese folklore associated with maternal love and in some stories they are said to appear in the forest uh adding to the mystique of the forest so it makes sense you know how you mentioned that the government put up these signs saying like don't do this like you're loved yada 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 it it makes sense you would get legends of these spirits that are filled that are associated with maternal love trying to get people to not harm themselves in any type of way that's clever but the forest does have a haunted reputation which makes sense because it's in english they call it the suicide forest and some people say that it's a cursed place and It is believed that the souls of those who die by suicide linger in the forest, adding to the already eerie presence and adding on to the overall somber atmosphere that one would experience when visiting the forest. And one thing that I want to mention real quick, because this episode will probably be uploaded after the episode that we did with JJ about Japanese ghosts and spirits and folklore. Uh, when JJ was on the show for that episode, he did mention that he visited Okigahara and he said that he felt like really uncomfortable. He said that as soon as you step foot inside, like all sounds from the outside is like completely gone, even though there was like a highway nearby. I think he said you could not hear shit like it's all just dense forest you like look up and you can't see anything like it's just it's just all dense forest and what really creeped me out when he was telling a story he said they like got about 20 minutes in and he heard this humming sound that no one else heard and unfortunately we ran out of time with him so he couldn't go into further detail about that but that's something that I wanted to you know dig into a little bit unfortunately he's not with us to talk about it but that's always intrigued me that he heard this humming sound and he just felt this need to like leave he basically said like if i don't leave i'm never gonna fucking leave so like i had to go what are your thoughts on that when he shared that with us one of the most intriguing things about these stories, I think, are the sounds that are, have been reported. And I guess we can safely say that JJ is a firsthand account of something like that. And I can't even begin to speculate. I mean, I could speculate, but it's going to bore the shit out of people about what could be going on there. But it's not just humming. Apparently, there are also reports of people hearing whispers. I feel like that to me, that would be one thing that would really hit home in terms of creepiness for me is like if I was out in the woods and I heard a humming. I would think, oh, maybe there's some kind of like, because apparently I'll get into this after, but apparently there are lava caves in that forest, which really fascinate me. And I want to talk about that more later. I would think that if I heard a humming, that it would be some kind of 
resonance that has to do with uh, like a natural force or something like that, maybe to do have something to do with the underground cave system or maybe like wind being reverberated through so many layers of trees or something like that. And that maybe it just happened that JJ could hear it because I mean, his uh, ears were tuned to that frequency. Maybe he has like stronger hearing than, than other people there, or like maybe his, his hearing was deteriorated in a way that allowed him to pick up certain decibels or something like that. But there are stories of people hearing other sounds like whispers, voices, cries, like people crying, people laughing. I think that if I was in the forest and I heard crying and laughing, I would probably think, oh, that's a real person out there, like, you know, a quarter mile away or half mile away in the brush, maybe struggling. Maybe they have really severe psychological issues, or maybe they're just being assholes and and playing a prank. But if I was standing in the forest and I heard someone whisper at me and there was nobody else around and it was clearly a human voice, then that's when I would start to give some credence to the fact that this place could be supernatural because whispering to me would be, it would mean that whatever is trying to get to you is uh, right up close to you somewhere. People have also reported feeling pushes, taps, physical ailments like JJ experiences the, the the need to get out of there. And we've talked about this in the past too, with like you going to civil war battle sites and stuff, you just feel this heaviness in the air. And I think it one in one episode, I kind of threw it back at you and challenged you a bit and, and was like, well, what if you were blindfolded and you were taken to a place like that? You didn't know where you were going. Do you think you would still feel the negative energy? And I think that there's probably some placebo effect for, for people, but at the same time, I'm not going to just sit here and try to discount that negative energy isn't a real thing. And that if you do go there, maybe there are some people who are more sensitive to that kind of thing. And and I think I said this in, in the last episode with JJ, which if you're listening to this podcast and you listen to the previous one that uh, Chris is going to post, you'll probably hear me say this in the other one too. But animals, we know scientifically animals have senses that they themselves don't understand that we know about. And we see them fly away from natural disasters and they just could be miles away from the closest zero point or the point of, of which these disasters happen. And then they just instinctively go away. So who's who's to say that humans don't have a level of that complexity somewhere in their their brain or something like that? But I don't know. That I think that the, the, the sound aspect is probably the most uh, likely to be a supernatural connection to me, even though I think that some of it could be natural. And when it comes to like physical disturbances of people being tapped on the shoulder, I actually had a friend of mine years ago tell me that she stayed in some like house that was supposedly haunted and she felt like taps on her shoulder and she turned around and there was no one there. And she was convinced that it was a ghost like bothering her. And I actually bought into that when I heard her say that. But as, as the years went on and I got older, I realized that there would be so many random points in my life where I would feel like a a tapping or something on my shoulder only to realize a second later that it was just some kind of muscle twitch. Now you've had stories and your families have had stories where they've been shoved. <laughs> That's different. I, I think that if you were standing in Okikahara forest and you saw someone just get thrown back or you yourself got thrown back with, with thrown back with such force that it knocked you over, then there would be something with that. And I think there are actually stories like that. But if we're talking about a tapping, I would be suspicious of that. So this is, and just, I'm sorry, I'm going off the tangent, but this is why it's so interesting. This force is so interesting to me because there are so many instances where it could be like, this is totally natural. This is just something that is embedded psychologically in people and it's nothing more. But then you have the other side where there are some really strange stories and things happening to people in, in such a way that are less likely to be explained with natural forces and psychology. So that's just my perspective on that. 
the whole tapping thing i don't i don't like that i don't think i've i've ever been like had my shoulder tapped or anything i've heard my voice my not my voice i've heard my name called Mm -hmm. and there was no one there it was the hash slinging slasher (laughs) but um (laughs) oh my god i gotta i love that i used to watch that all the time man that's so fun the lights will flicker on and off and there'll be nobody there can i say really quickly um what what i love about spongebob and i always appreciate it is they would it's like one like it seems to me the cartoons that work the best were the ones that would throw like adult humor or like references that parents would get and it's not just like the fact that a, a parent could resonate with their child and watch it it's like if you're an adult like i like we were when we when, when it was like around we were already getting to be adults like i could still enjoy it and appreciate the humor <laughs> oh absolutely so yeah man like you mentioning your friend getting that tap on the shoulder and people that go through the forest hearing whispers and all of these other inexplicable things I did find an infograph that provided a few facts about the forest. And one of them, which caught my attention, was that the Japanese army trains in the forest. So I'm wondering, like, (laughs) if those sounds that people are hearing is like live training exercises that are being done by the Japanese army. Yeah, like machinery going through the forest in a distance, like um, tanks or something, or like... Uh, armored personnel carriers or something like that yeah right right that's like i i saw it i saw that on the infograph and i'm like okay i have to bring it up because it has to be taken into consideration but it's always creepy to think that you know ire are are there Mm -hmm. that there's something more sinister lingering in the forest because forests in general are are creepy right you had your experience with maybe a bigfoot who the fuck knows? <laughs> but it was creepy when you're in Pennsylvania and you're driving, right? And it's you're either on the turnpike or you're like some sort of interstate and there's nothing but forest surrounding you. It's just creepy to stare into. There's something in you that says, I don't know about you, but with me that says, I want to go there. Like, I want to go walk around in there. But then there's another part of me that's like, no. <laughs> Like, no, like I don't want to, I'm probably never going to come back out. I, I have to admit, I'm, I'm a little bit different on that. I grew up around nature and um, I always thought that, and I feel, I feel what you're saying. Oh yeah. I forgot you're white. I'm but. white. Yeah. I can't, I can't, <laughs> uh, we're, we're, I'll edit that we're, out. We're really just one with nature. You know, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that reminds me of that South Park episode where they move to California and they get all like uh, preppy or whatever. It's like we're just we're just a, we're just a step above the rest of the country, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do. And then he farts that. in a in a cup and he smells it. <laughs> oh, that's when they're all driving the Priuses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh no i i i I am not offended by that so feel free to keep that in i think that's funny but so i i grew up around nature a lot i went i was uh, like i said in the last podcast i grew up at least part half half of my family were hunters and i never really liked hunting honestly like i never really liked the idea of killing uh animals without you know taking their meat for necessity or whatever. But, um, I actually feel, I feel very lucky that I went deer hunting for like, I think like probably four or five, maybe six seasons before I gave up on it, but I never ended up killing a deer. And, uh, I, to this day, I'm actually happy about that. I don't want to, I don't want to kill a deer, but, um, so I see what you're saying. Like when you're looking in a forest, it's creepy. It's unknown. You feel like you go in, you don't know what's going to come after you. It could be like spiritual, supernatural for me though. 
if I was in a forest, as long as I knew how to get out, I think that I would feel pretty at home. I don't know about the suicide forest with the negative energy there, but I would definitely go uh, give it a, a whirl if I you know, was, or was nearby. But, but one, one extra thing that I wanted to bring up in terms of phenomena that kind of like interest me is people apparently have experienced stuff like sudden temperature changes, even have seen like lights go on in the distance, which I, I don't really give a lot of credence to the lights because it could be anybody like with a flashlight in the distance. But if you're talking about a light that's like 50 feet up in the trees, jumping from tree to tree, okay, that's one thing. But I think that the temperature changes is probably the most synonymous and definitely the most measurable when it comes to supernatural events, because we've all seen the movie, you know, like people are standing in a room and you know, the monster or the demon is coming and everybody just grabs their shoulders. Like, Oh, it's getting cold in here. Shoulders. Yeah. It's like, Oh, it's so cold in here. And you see their breath. Yeah, their breath yeah. and like, so, um, I, I bet you, I bet you if you searched for like scientific explanations to temperature changes in pockets, there would be an explanation for some of them. But at the same time, I, I have to wonder like, what's, I wonder what the, like people who are proponents for ghosts who even might have like a scientific knowledge, but let's say there's someone with a mild scientific understanding of temperature and weather and they, but they're very strong advocates for believing in ghosts. I wonder how they would explain like, what about a ghost being present takes the heat out of the atmosphere or like, why does it inject with cold? I think that would be an interesting thing to explore at some point, but that's kind of like a little bit too nerdy for the, for our um, purposes of discussion today. Um, and then the second thing that I'll bring up before I'll throw it back to you is that it, I want to talk about the lava caves there because, um, I am, I, I am pretty interested in cases of disappearances when you have cave systems nearby. I've seen maps before. I think there's a very famous map of the United States. I don't know how reputable it is if it's legit or not but someone threw up a map of all of the missing person cases and then all of like the lava and limestone caves and they they seem to match up in some points in the u.s i've seen seen that that before i have seen that yes i know exactly what you're talking about and it's creepy i stay away from caves when i go hiking (laughs) yeah no spelunking for chris no no sir but what about the the lava caves that you uh found interesting there that the fact that maybe people that have gone missing might not have committed suicide and decided to explore some caves. Yeah. And- yeah. So um, I, I think that it's worth mentioning that some of the caves there are actually very beautiful. I, I, I think that looking at the pictures, they have some crystalline structures that look to be illuminated. I don't know if they're, they must be, I, I'm assuming they're illuminated by lights that are placed down there. But it's very bluish purple. If you have have a, a Google or or whatever search nearby, I recommend throwing that into the search and seeing some of the pictures. They're actually pretty beautiful, and some of the caves are very open, and there's stairs leading down into them. So some of these caves are part of the attraction of going to the forest for for people not there to experience creepy stuff. So I, I don't know the percentage, but I would assume that a small, only a small percentage of the actual cave systems are accessible for tourists like that. There's probably miles and miles or kilometers or whatever of other parts of the system that are either unexplored or uninhabited or just, you know, people stay away from them for whatever reason. But I always thought the idea to me, it was always like the whole perspective of we, you know, there are places in this world where we have never been before. And like for, you know, the perfect, the quintessential example is the Mariana Trench, like the deepest point on earth in the ocean. And we are constantly finding 
new creatures and new types of life and stuff like that in different parts of the ocean. So I feel like if there was ever a place for something supernatural or creature-ish or whatever, or even alien to hide, it would be in these these parts of the world where people can't get easy access to. And if if you were a creature or you were somebody or something who wanted to, who needed to snatch humans for consumption or experiments or whatever nefarious thing you can imagine, I imagine it would be from caves <laughs> because you could probably very quickly snatch someone within like a 500 foot radius and then just disappear into some random cave section or whatever. So, and and that's, that's one, that's the other thing about this story with this forest. that's creepy is if you wanted to, like you said, the military was present there. I don't think that like the regular Japanese military is experiencing, experimenting on people, but you, you know, we talked about this before we started the podcast. There's a topic we want to talk about at some point um, where uh, there was some unit that actually was known to have done experiments. And we actually have cases like the th- certain three-letter agencies in the United States who have been known to actually conduct experiments on large groups of people before. And I assume that some of that could probably be without their knowledge or against their will. So I think that if you wanted to do something like that in Japan, what better place than to set up shop in a big forest where people go to kill themselves or disappear all the time. And they have a massive cave structure there that is unexplored and untappable. To me, I think that's creepier than like ghost stories coming out of the suicide forest is like some, someone or something using the cave system and the, the, the rationale that some people go there to kill themselves just to snatch other people to do terrible things to them. Those are some good points you brought up with the cave system and also possible snatching of people for, nefarious activities i don't think that is far-fetched and that's within the realm of possibility one thing that i want to pull back to real quick is going back to the potential supernatural and paranormal aspect of it in which there have been cases where people have said that they would hear this mysterious scream and apparently there was this japanese guy told this story which was then relayed by a writer for the japan times that said that the guy when he was wandering in the forest he heard an unnatural like blood curdling scream and when he went searching for the source of the noise he came across a dead guy at the base of the tree and when he examined the corpse he quickly realized that the body like had been there for quite a while and the person had been dead for quite a while so there's no way this dead body could have let out a scream that have that has been there for who knows how long so they make the claim that it was possibly a a spirit or maybe it was that guy's spirit that was reliving their last moments you ever hear of the term of like a residual haunting? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So potentially, you know, this guy like having a residual haunting of his last moments and that scream was probably his last moment. Yeah. So that that is a pretty creepy story. I When I hear stories like that where it's like an auditory thing, my, my mind always goes to, you know, what type of person. If it was one person hearing it, I would be skeptical. If it was multiple people hearing it, I would be like, okay, that makes – that's – if there was even more than if there was just one more person who had 
the same story. I would give so much more credibility to that, except for the fact that if it was true, if he really did, if that person really did hear a sound and it took him to a corpse where like, you know, he wasn't aware of that directional thing would be definitely creepy. And I think that kind of like goes along the lines of this whole idea that there's some resonance or some energy that is building or has built in the forest because of what it is, because of maybe the the natural construct. Because I know you were saying that you didn't want to like bring any shade to the actual forest itself. Like the forest could be beautiful and um, doesn't have to be spooky or scary. It could be a really great place to to experience nature. But at the same time, I, there could be some argument to say that a place like this does have negative energy associated with it because it just doesn't mesh with human energy or or whatever energy of different life forms that could be detrimental to it. Just in the same way that like some animals can eat some food that humans would die from if we ate it. It's like, you know, if we go to this forest and we're there too long, maybe the natural energy, the, the actual physical makeup of the resonance and the energy there is just not good for people. And uh, maybe it makes people more prone to suicidal ideation or um, or actions or even just like losing, hearing certain things or losing sense of their psychological well-being. Yeah, that is a good point. And one thing I wanted to mention on the potentially nature side of it is that there is ma- a magnetic iron base of soil within the forest and some people say that because of that like compasses won't work properly gps won't work properly uh cell phones won't work properly but when i looked it up apparently cell phones do work within the forest so i don't know where to go from there but i wouldn't be surprised if that potential enhanced magnetism affects the mood of people that are just walking in the forest like touring mm-hmm. it that could potentially affect their body somehow like that strong magnetic output coming from a place like that exactly so that's one thing to to keep in mind god i don't want to say it's the magnetism that's causing these people to go there to commit suicide no, absolutely not but more so in the sense that people that visit there and just feel uncomfortable exactly physically uncomfortable like physically ill yeah. that might be one of the the causes for yeah, that could very well be. And I think that's, you just brought home, I think you just brought a full circle for us. I think that is, um, that is a really great argument that even if you were full on skeptic, you, you probably would be hard pressed to deny such a thing outright without being, you know, measuring it. Cause we all know like, you know, so you and I, we've talked about this before. Like I, I probably slightly more skeptical than you in terms of some of this stuff, but I also reserve a level of belief that there is something more to our physical uh, reality that we can see. I guess the skepticism for me comes from the the individual stories. I like we. I th- I know we've talked about this before, which is, it's. I apologize to people who keep rehashing the same crap, but I think that ninety percent. It's like one of those things where it's like ninety percent of the cases are explainable, but then like ten percent are. You know, we have no idea what's going on. And I, I like to, that's why we're here to discuss that 10%, but also to pay some credibility or pay some attention to the 90%. And it's, it's a fine line that that can be walked. But this, this forest, I think that if we ever reached a level of popularity where we could actually just focus on doing stuff like this, which would be awesome. Like subscribe people, (laughs) get us up there so we could do more of this stuff. We could actually go to the forest and have 
similar discussions and go more in depth to it. Although I don't know if Chris would ever want to go to a place like that. Maybe I would go inside the forest and pod and then we would remote Chris in from like, you know, a nice little onsen down the street or something like that. <laughs> I I would okay. go. I would go into the All forest. Right. I'm curious about it. I would I wouldn't mind taking a tour of it. Yeah. We'll make uh we'll see if JJ would want to come, even though he said he'll never step foot in there again. <laughs> we'll bribe him with something. He can be he can stay in the onsen. Pump him up. He wants to go to onsen. So yeah, yeah, we'll pump him up full of yeah, I know. We'll pump him up full of sake and <laughs> drag his ass along. Man, I that's one I don't think I don't know about that, how I feel about that. Like I being drunk in a place like that. I think that drinking is, uh, to me as I get older, like it's something that I do occasionally to unwind, but like also hold on to a certain degree of, um, like fun. So I think that if you and I got toasted and we went into the forest like that, it would be really stupid, but it would probably be really fun. I don't know. Here's a good side question. Like that, I I think that we can kind of lighten up the conversation for a second. I want to get your perspective on something. So you and I both drink alcohol. We don't go too crazy ever, but we do have moments where we kind of, you know, uh, get pretty tipsy. Do you think that if you got to a point of like right up to the point of drunk, like you were, you know, right before drunk, like you were pretty strongly tipsy, you felt really good. You felt really confident. Um, you're having a good time. How different would you react in a moment of experiencing like supernatural disturbances or ghosts or like, let's say you and I are in the forest and we were toasted on sake and, uh, and we saw some like floating entities or something. Do you think you would act the same way where you grab your rosary, start praying and run away? Or, or do you think that you would be like cockier and kind of just like be my, you know what I mean? Like not get up in its face, but like be like, Oh, isn't that something, you know, like you wouldn't be as scared. How how would you react? Walk up to it and go, eat it. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No, I'd probably have the same reaction. I would not. Okay. I'm going to get the fuck okay. out of here. <laughs> Knowing you, you'd be like. I would be like. <laughs> what do you want to do? What do you want to do? <laughs> and then I would end up. Uh, I'd be the one to end up nailed to the tree. <laughs> this is what I would do. And and I, you can't see what I'm going to do, but I know Chris can see me because we're on video right now. And I, I'm going to show Chris what I would do. This is what I would do. <laughs> Take a uh, picture. <laughs> I would just like, I would have my mouth open and I would just stare at it and I would just bring the camera up. So like I, to everyone who's listening, I just, all I did was like stare into the camera with my, uh, my mouth open and I just slowly brought my, my phone up and then hit record. <laughs> <laughs> Click. <laughs> this is how we get rich by the way i um I, I i know i said this on one of the other podcasts we did where i, I talked about going to japan but it's it's worth reiterating because it's relevant but I, I went to some shrines and i got some like i got some like weird vibes i felt some weird vibes when i pulled out my phone and my my camera to uh to record and take pictures of the shrines. I'm like, is this a good idea? I don't know if this is a good idea. I don't know if I should be taking pictures of like 300 year old shrines and stuff. And I, I haven't watched the videos and photos yet, but I'm kind of interested to see if I caught anything like any smudges or weird marks. So I'll let people, I'll let the people know if I come across any weird photos that I took while I was in Japan, I've t- I took so many, there's so many to parse through. You're going to scroll through those pictures and you're going to see like, perfect picture of a shrine and you'll just see like a ghostly hand like just giving you the middle finger <laughs> or or in asia in asia the okay sign which means butthole in some places <laughs> uh, you snap the picture of the 
the, the butthole, butthole goes. And he's not he's not only is he flashing his butthole like eye at me, he's have he has the butthole symbol behind in his hand. He's just going like this behind. Just so you know, people, if you're traveling to Southeast Asia, I think I don't know which company or countries exactly are they are. I think maybe Malaysia is one of them, but don't ever give the okay sign. Because when you give the okay sign in some countries, that literally means anus. And it kind of looks like an anus when you do it, which makes sense. But just keep that in mind if you're traveling. Some some nuances and symbols that you make with your hands. I know it, like in, in the UK, uh, doing the peace sign backwards is basically fuck you. And I know that I've done that a couple times to people like just without thinking. And then hopefully they're not British. Like, let me explain. I didn't do that to say fuck you. I did that for the peace sign. And I wasn't thinking that I was actually going to like, you know, throw some shade their way, but um, you never know. <laughs> Before we end today's show, I want to talk about real quick, the concept of the atmosphere of the suicide forest, whether it is haunted or not. And a hypothetical of what if you took someone there that didn't know about it, didn't know it was considered the suicide forest and you just, let them stroll through Mm -hmm. so with regards to the atmosphere and the forest being haunted i don't know how i feel about that because people will probably or people have used it used the forest being haunted and filled with evil spirits as the reason why people go there to uh, end their lives instead of addressing the issue of, you know, these people are probably going through some severe mental health issues and whatnot. So I think that would really, really discredit why people did what they did in those places. While I personally think it's haunted. Yeah, probably. There are some spirits wandering about some lost spirits wandering about that. You know, it might be people that have ended their lives and they're just lost. Nothing like really malicious about it. To me, energy within a place is a real thing and that will definitely affect it. Yeah. What what would be really interesting to do if if we had time, once again, people help us become <laughs> independent enough to do stuff like this all the time and we'll have plenty of free time to do something like this. But if you could like do research and take like make a like a heat map or something all over the globe maybe start regionally like in asia or something even start with the forest itself and kind of go out from there and just start doing research and figuring out what places are most heavily associated with the energy similar energies to like the suicide forest and then start to get a visual picture of how they might lay on a map i don't really know a lot much about this but there's like the the conspiracy or the i don't even know what you would call it but the, but the the uh the idea that there are some people some groups in in human history who have figured out how to place uh certain landmarks or um or or occupy certain spaces that would give them the maximum amount the maximum amount of certain energy that they want positive or whatever or negative and i think some people call them ley lines like i i i always have been fascinated with this idea that a place could be affixed with negative energy to a degree that could affect the soul if the soul is a real thing and it could like lock them there and keep them there and that is i think that is terrifying i think that's um like you you were talking about like the spirits dying in the forest and people hearing noises and stuff but that would mean that that person's soul or whatever you want to call a spirit resides there and is either stuck there or doesn't want to leave there for whatever reason but um that just seems like a spiral where you get stuck in a place like that on the other side like what is there any hope left at that point that i think that is what is 
to me, that's what's way more terrifying of an, a concept than actually seeing or experiencing a ghost itself is the fact that that was a person who like reached the pinnacle of depression, like the bottom rung of hopelessness. And they gave up and they ended up dying, killing themselves or dying in that forest. And they're, and on top of that, they're still stuck there for whatever reason. Hopefully it's, hopefully it's because they just don't want to move on yet. Hopefully it's because, you know, it's not because they're stuck there. I think, you know, you don't want terrible things to happen to yourself or loved ones. And, and, and if you're a good person, you don't want bad things to happen to other people like that. Like people say, I would never wish that on my worst enemy, et cetera. I think that that is a very strong case for some people in this world. Like, like if you're a good person, you would never want anyone to go through such a shitty life only to end up dying in a forest and then be a ghost that haunts the forest for however many hundreds or thousands of years, you know? So like, let's just hope there's a, uh, there's a, a half, a half life of, of, you know, spirituality, like the spirit side or whatever. You're not stuck there for, for way longer. What about that hypothetical that I brought up? Like you bring someone into that forest to take a tour that knows absolutely nothing about it. They know nothing about it. They don't know that it's been dubbed the suicide forest, that people kill themselves there, that there's potentially spirits or demons lurking in the forest and it has a creepy atmosphere. What do you think that person, how they would react? You know, that I've always wondered that, that question. I, I think that some people, different people would react different ways. I, I guess it would really depend on the person themselves. I mean, how much they believe in that sort of thing. I mean, but then again, you know, I, I've talked to people, I've known people who are extremely not, not extremely, but like who believe that that sort of thing is possible, like the spiritual supernatural side, but they're also very close minded in other ways. So I think that if there is such a thing as resonances and people being able to pick up on certain energies and forces or whatever, more so than others, I think what you would probably have to do is to find a group of people who are open to the idea of there being supernatural stuff going on, but at the same time, having a degree of skepticism, not being overly religious. They would also have to not be grossly uneducated. They would have to be able to articulate to a certain degree what they're experiencing. And most importantly, you have to find people who would also have never had experiences like that before. Because I feel like as soon as you start bringing in people who are advocating for um, you know, the supernatural side, or maybe they've experienced or they claim they can read energies or whatever, then they're going to just fill in the blank of wherever they go and you're just going to get noise and you're not going to get signal. I think if you want to get signal from the noise, I think you're going to have to take in the type of person that I explained and I listed out. That would be a really great study, wouldn't it be? That'd be really fun to do is just if you could actually have the time and um, find the people for that and take them around to different places. And I guess it's, it's at one point they would pick up after like, it's kind of like the Tom Green effect where like, you know, eventually you, you're Tom Green. If you don't know who Tom Green is, he was this really silly dude back in the nineties and early two thousands who had his own show and he would go around and just do maddening, stupid stuff, almost like jackass. But it got to a point where he couldn't do it anymore because people recognized him and he couldn't get away with like doing silly things. So I think after a while of trying this experiment, it would probably be like a one and done, but yeah, that, that is exact. That's essentially what I think. If you took someone there who was like that and you got them to admit that they had some kind of feeling or energy about that place. I think that that would take my belief in this, this supernatural in this forest up a bunch of ticks. How about you? 
Yeah, I feel the same way. If you take someone that doesn't have any of those already set beliefs or expectations that they are looking for something or this type of thing exists. Yeah, I I think that's the type of person that you would have to use to conduct that type of experiment. It, It would be really interesting to see the results of that. Watch at the end of it. It turns out like, yep, now this place is really creepy. <laughs> Even the skeptic experienced something. So, yeah. <laughs> or, or like, you know, a horror, perfect horror movie where they're walking through the forest and they turn around and like, I don't feel anything. And then they just get lifted like 30 feet to the air. <laughs> oh, yeah. Or they, like they get snatched into a corner. Yeah, that would be really creepy. Before we end today, man, do you have anything else you wanted to touch up on with regards to the with Okigahara? I, I have to admit to everybody that when we do these podcast episodes, you know, you and I are so busy with regular life with our jobs and our families and stuff that we don't get a lot of time to do to delve really deeply into the topics and, and the talking points. We kind of actually, my, my mom said this to me the other day. She, she listens to the podcast every once in a while. And she's like, she's like, how do you come up with what you talk about? And she's like, do you have a script? And I'm like, uh, no, we kind of just riff it, which, you know, honestly, man, I'm, I'm a little bit like, I, I, I try not to be prideful, but like, I am a little bit proud of us that we can like riff so well and, um, kind of like come up with ideas and talking points on the spot for so long. But I think that if we had more time, like if we ever became more successful and we could devote more time to this thing, I think we could have way better conversations. Like I wish I could have done so much more deep dive on the forest history. And that's, that's one area that maybe we can revisit at some point. Like if we get popular enough, we can revisit a lot of these topics like this forest one and make sure that we go like really deep into the history. Because I think that I would like to know more about the history of this forest. When did it start? becoming a popular point for suicide what were some of the first cases about and over the years what are the total numbers and the ebbs and flows of society that that may or may not affect i think one metric i saw was that there was an uptick of suicides in the forest in the early 2000s and i think that i don't know if that was around the time that japan experienced a really bad economic downfall i know they had a crash in like the 90s or something the stock market there but like jj said it never recovered just to bring it home i would say that I wish we could have delved deeper into the history of this place, but it's definitely creepy. And I definitely give it some points for being a likely spot for supernatural things going on. I agree with you. I would like to do that again. Yeah, we can always revisit the topics that we cover and we could always include more people that might have more insight on you hear it. that people. You hear that people uh, from, to... from, uh, from Sweden, from, from Finland, who, where else did we see people coming on from? We should mention that real quick. <laughs> the UK, Germany. Yeah. Um, there was somebody from Australia, which is uh, yeah. awesome. Guys, girls, guys, girls. We don't know who you are. We don't know who you are, but we love you because this it's like it's really exciting to see. And we joked about this before. It's like <laughs> I'm pretty sure some of the people who are like downloading our episodes, it's probably some professor getting you to download your episodes for class and be like, "This is what you don't do to be an asshole and an idiot." Listen to these guys. Like they, <laughs> we're we're the benchmark metric example for how to not be an Indian American. That's probably what what most people listen to us for. But I, I think that hopefully we have some people who are becoming fans of us. And um, please reach out to us. You know, we Chris Chris gives the email for us uh, every episode. 
reach out to us, let us know who you are. And like, we, maybe we can do like a name drop or, um, or even bring you on the episode if you have some creepy stories to talk about. And we just, just to, just to reiterate, we love doing this. Like this is, we, we do this every week, almost every week. This is so yeah, much. We fun. do this. This is, this so is actually, fun. I mean, even though we like, even though we want to get more popular and make this into something that might be lucrative for us to where we can focus on it a lot. At the end of the day, it's therapeutic for us to sit down and talk as friends and, and just hash out ideas. And actually even this doing this podcast even helps me articulate for my own job. Like I feel like I'm a better speaker um, just for the fact that we do this once a week and that exercises that. So please give us fodder please give us reasons or our titles or topics, or even bringing yourself on as a, as a potential guest to, to talk to us, please reach out to us. Yeah. I echo that sentiment. We really appreciate everyone that tunes into our show, that downloads our show, uh, shares our show. Um, like I said, in the beginning, we would love to hear from you. It would be really awesome to have more folks, you know, providing their stories or their opinions yeah. and coming on and sharing their experiences. But real quick, when you said your mom asked about a script, I think it's because we tortured ourselves through grad school in which you have to write <laughs> term paper after term paper after term paper and do all this research and these presentations. Mm -hmm. And you have to be really analytical to the point where you're sitting in on a seminar and you have to just fucking figure shit yeah, out it comes natural at the drop of a hat yeah it comes natural so I if you let us we could sit here for probably two more hours and drum up more shit to talk about with regards to this yeah. topic but and i want to give one more incentive for the people listening i'll do some stupid shit i don't care i mean not not as long as it's threatening anyone or myself or whatever but how about this for every hundred for every hundred people that we get from a certain country. I'll do the first five minutes of the podcast in that, um, in that accent. So if, if we get, if we get, uh, if we get, uh, how many did you say we had one person from Australia, that one person, whoever you're listening is in Australia, get 99 more people to listen to us. And we get that metric. I'll do the first five minutes and I'm my best Australian accent. And if German will do German and I don't know how to do a Swedish, a Swedish accent, but you're just gonna piss. Yeah, I'll just piss off, people. So I, don't, I don't know. If that's, <laughs> I don't know if that's a good idea. But back to the suicide forest to tie it all together and to wrap it up. In your honest opinion, do you think it's haunted, or do you think it's just one of those things that, based off of what happens in there, it gets that um, reputation? I I am still up in the air about whether or not ghosts are ghosts and in, in, in the sense that we think that they are like spirits are the actual remnants of people. So like people's souls who passed on. I think that I will say though, that like I said, I keep, I keep skeptical, but I also keep a little pocket of possible belief uh, in, in my, in, in my side pocket there. And I think that if, if there was such a thing as ghosts and stuff like that, in the sense that we think of them, then this place is, almost certainly haunted because <laughs> you have some of the darkest um, like the, the darkest cases of experiences that humans have gone through in the modern age, a representation of the darkest modern experiences of social weight and psychological torment, people having nothing, no one left, no hope. I don't know. I, I, I will admit real quick, like I've had bouts of depression in my life and I've had moments where I felt hopeless 
And like when you hit that level of hopelessness, that's really powerful. It's like, it almost feels like there's no escape. And I, and, and, but you know, I've, I've had that in my life, but only for blips, you know, I always came back to my family, my job, my, my, um, the things I like to do at whatever, I always came out of it with some hope, but you got to imagine, I can only imagine what it's like to be in a situation where it's just utter hopeless. Like you don't have anything. So that negative energy to be taken to that forest and ending someone's life there with that weight. I think if there was ever such a thing as ghosts and, and negative residences of energy or whatever, this place would definitely be haunted. I agree with you. And if anything, I think it would be more of a residual type of haunting, not more so like actual souls, yeah. demons. Yeah, like demons roaming around trying to get people. I, I really think it would just be residual haunting of unfortunate folks just reliving those moments. Did we? For all did eternity. we ever did we ever talk about that? I I'm sorry. I I refuse to believe that only because that is such a terrible. I'm not. I'm just saying that I would. I would never want to be in that situation. I would never want anyone to be in that situation. So I, I can't say that I would buy into that sort of thing. I always think that there's even, even in the worst situation of hopeless feeling, I think that I always have, you always have to believe in hope even for other people who are feeling hopeless. So like, I would never want to think that they would experience such a thing for all eternity. Uh, I really hope, can you imagine that the universe is like ending and you're still like going through that? And then like, you you go on the other side and there's just a whole other universe where you just continue to experience that. But I think that like, like resonances and negative energies, my hope is that it's like a movie that is playing over and over again. Like when we watch a movie, we're not actually seeing that person who shot the movie relive that moment as a person. We're just seeing the imprint of the movie being repeated. So hopefully there is no feeling associated with the repeating of those events when, like you say, a residual haunting or whatever. When I hear residual haunting, I think of like the, the actual act of the terrible thing playing out, but not the person inhabit inhabiting that act and feeling and going through that constantly. So I, I don't know if you want to add anything to that perspective. Maybe we could talk about that during another episode at some point, but um, that to me is way more terrifying of an idea like I said, than, than actual, than seeing an actual ghost or even dying. Like it's one thing to die and have there be nothing. It's another thing to die and be stuck in a residual repeat of something over and over again. That's just terrifying. That would be absolutely terrifying. I I, I don't think anybody should have to experience that. <laughs> and before we end today's show, I want to reiterate uh, what Dean said earlier that, you know, if you have any negative thoughts or thoughts of self-harm or suicide, there are resources out there that will help you, so don't hesitate to reach out to them, and we hope to catch you for the next episode. And don't forget, rag on the hag. <laughs> rag on the hag. Rag on the hag. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of The Wandering Road. You can find us on Apple, Google, Spotify, and most podcast platforms. Be sure to subscribe and share. Also, don't forget to give a follow on Instagram at TWRoadPodcast and follow my TikTok at TWRPodcast. Take care, and I'll catch you on the next one.